Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. I'm Tiffany Buckner and I'm going to entitle this message, Broken People Minus Wise Counselors Equals Toxic People. And I'm only doing this because honestly, I just finished a book. I'm really excited about, about this book. I was going to call it Relational Intelligence. Um, and I think I'm going to break it up into two parts because it is a relatively thick book. Um, but I was dealing with not just so much romantic relationships, but relationships as a whole, familiar relationships, romantic uh, relationships, uh, just all types of relationships. And I was talking about having intelligence in those relationships. And what, what I found to be really interesting and funny at the same time and frustrating even is that whenever you write a book about something, whenever you are teaching on something, you are typically going to be tested in that area. But that's neither here nor there. But I was dealing with the topic of trust in there. And one of the things that I talk about, for example, that is a sign of, tox of toxicity is a person wanting access or trust that they have not earned. Because a lot of times you come in contact with people, they will demand trust. And that is a sign of toxicity. Um, and under understand this, when I say toxic, a lot of times people, they can listen to my YouTube channel, they can listen to this podcast or any place where I teach or preach and they can say, well, Tiffany, I fit the characteristics of a toxic person. And my, my response to them is, yes, if you're broken and you don't have counselors, guess what you're going to do? The goal of a counselor is to give you information. So it is to give you, tell you how to respond to the trauma because the Bible talks about um, the days of man are few and full of trouble. Um, and so we are always dealing with some form of trauma. We're always dealing with some form of rejection. We're always dealing with something in this life. So consequently, we need wise counsel. This is why the Bible says there is safety and a multitude of counsel. And so we need wise counselors. We need people to tell us how to respond whenever someone hurts us, whenever somebody rejects us, whenever somebody mishandles us. We need people to tell us how to respond. If we don't have information in that space, we'll have a void in that space. So consequently, what happens is a voice will ring out. This is why the Bible says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We will find a voice that echoes and says, this is how you should handle that person. This is what you should do to that person. Consequently, you can find yourself hurting people. You can find yourself perpetuating a cycle. You can find yourself um, engaging in witchcraft, toxic behaviors, even though you're not necessarily a bad person. Because a lot of times when we start talking about toxicity, what, one of the things that your mind is going to do is you're going to start thinking about people who were intentionally toxic. But I want you to understand this. There are people out there who are unintentionally toxic. And what I mean by this is that they don't know how to respond. They don't know how to respond to being hurt, to feeling rejected, to feeling something. They don't know how to respond. So what they do is they listen to the voice, the first voice that echoes in their mind that gives them a response. Because whenever you, let's say if you deal with rejection, right? If somebody hurts you, if somebody rejects you, or if you feel like somebody has rejected you, then a lot of times that can hurt. And whenever something hurts, our first instinct is to try to find some type of way to stop the pain. And one way that we stop the pain is that we will try to fill that space with an answer. So let's say, for example, if a man rejects me, if a man rejected me, now, for the most part, I wouldn't be bothered by it. But if I really liked him and I invested a lot of thought into him and all of that, then it could bother me. Then it could hurt. In order for me to silence that, in order for me to get past that, a lot of times what I will do instinctually 
is tell myself he's not a good person and tell myself, oh, he's a broken soul. Tell myself, oh, he needs this or he needs that. And then I will look for the evidence to support my theory. And it's typically it's not hard to find it. And don't don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about somebody who rejects you just outright and, you know, you wanted them and they didn't want you. I'm not talking about that because granted in life, I, I'm going to say this and I, I pray it doesn't sound cold. That shouldn't bother you. And, you know, it, it bothers me when it bothers people. It bothers me when I see people who, you know, if you like a person and they don't like you back to get annoyed by that because at the end of the day you can't override the will of a person and then I always tell people I don't want somebody who doesn't want me there's nothing wrong with being attracted to a person there's nothing wrong with looking at a person and saying oh I think he looks handsome but at the same time you can control how you feel I, I often think of this you know I remember being around guys and knowing some guys that were related to somebody that I was in a relationship with um, and pretty much almost all the guys in this dude's family were fine, right? They look good, but they were, uh, for lack of a better word, they were thoughts. They were promiscuous men. And even though, now, women, for the most part, one thing I love about us, for the most part, I don't know about this generation. I know my generation. We know you can look at a person and think that they are attractive and not be attracted to them. You know, so even though. We can be in a relationship. We can look at somebody and say, oh, he looks good. You know, because somebody may come up to you. One of your friends, one of your family members may come up to you and say, hey, what about your dude's, uh, his, his cousin, his brother, his nephew, what have you? You're like, oh, yeah, girl, he, he looks really good. But at the same time, you're not attracted to that person, which means, one, you understand the boundary. That's a family member. And two, nine times out of ten, you know, you just know, you know the character of that person. And. Whatever you know, the character of that person is like, yeah, girl, yeah, he looked good on the outside, but he's a monster on the inside. Tr trust me, Ron. I hate to say this. I hate to say this. And if you're listening to this to my brother, I love you. My brother's a handsome guy. I haven't seen him about 10 years, but my brother's always been a handsome guy. He's always looked a lot younger than he is. Um, he's uh, the oldest of all of us. Uh, nevertheless, he's always looked the youngest. Um, he's always had this thing. And what well, my brother... Even on Facebook with thirst trap women. I don't think he's done it in a few years, but the pictures are still up. The last I checked and they're traumatizing, so I don't even bother looking. Uh, but he would thirst trap women on his page. He will put up these half naked photos of himself and then the women be all in his comments and they talking. But you know what? That's my brother. And I love my brother. But at the same time, my brother, and I don't think he mind me saying this. My brother was a really toxic person. I say was because I don't know how he is today. I don't know if he's made any adjustments to his life or what have you. Whenever we talk, clearly he's not going to tell me, hey, I'm still out here thotting. I'm still out here uh, manipulating women and, and doing all that. He's not going to tell me that, especially considering the fact that he knows uh, that I love the Lord and I fear the Lord. So anytime I talk to my brother, he's going to talk about God. You know, he's going to say, I'm really proud of you, sis. You know, I'm over here. I've been trying to get my life together. You know, I, I, I'm thinking about going back to church. You know, he'll say something like that, you know, to, along those lines. But he's not going to tell me, hey, I ain't gonna lie. I'm out here running through these women because he doesn't know how I'm going to respond. Him and my dad are very similar in that, whereas they won't tell me their lives, like the stuff that they're doing in their lives. So they can be very pretentious when talking to me. Um, and I, I'm only talking about that. I think it's funny because typically whenever I would talk to my dad, he would tell me like what my brother was up to. He was like, yeah, you know, your brother, he got a living girlfriend and he this. And I said, yeah, last time I talked to him, he was trying to act like he's on this journey and he ain't got nobody living with him. He's like, no, he got a girlfriend. They such and such. That girl been living with him for two years. Oh, what have you? I'm like, yeah, he doesn't tell me that. And whenever I get on the phone with my brother, 
I never tell my brother what my dad said. My brother doesn't know that I know about his life. It's none of my business personally. Uh, but my whenever I get on the phone with my brother, he would reveal my dad. He'd be like, you know, dad got a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, he got a girlfriend. He got a young girl. And he got, uh-huh, she ain't doing nothing, using him for his money. And he go to talking or what have you. And I just, I don't say anything. I just laugh and I say, well, it makes sense. Now I understand why he did this. Now I understand why he did that. Um, so they're always kind of snitching on each other. But again, I don't confront either one of them because honestly, they grown ups. That's their lives. And they have to reap whatever they sow on their own. I can only try to be a living example uh, to them. But whenever you come in contact with people, please understand that a lot of folks are going to want to have a level of access. And I was dealing with this in my book. People typically want a level of access that they haven't earned. And that is a sign of toxicity. It's not a sign of malicious intent, but it is a sign of toxicity. And what I mean by that is that People want to come into your intimate space. In my book, I I created this model called the intimate space versus the intellectual space. And whenever you get to know a person, you're supposed to keep them in your intellectual space. And it's a vacuum or it's a tornado like effect that they will kind of move slowly but surely into your intimate space if they earn the right to get there. And the more they go into or the more you allow them into your intimate space, the more trust you have to give them because get this, they're supposed to earn that trust. Trust is not given. Um, the trust is not given. It is built. They're supposed to earn that trust. Um, but nevertheless, the majority of people, and I, I dare to say this, the majority of people on the face of this planet, um, especially in the Western world, are relatively toxic because of what we're being fed on the television, what we're being fed in life. They're relatively toxic because what happens with a large number of people is that we're out here. We come from toxic families and then we date toxic people. So our culture is toxic. So we we ourselves then become toxic. And. When we get into these relationships, we just assume that because we have good intentions that the relationship should work and that, you know, if I have good intentions, you have good intentions, this should work. But we don't consider the fact that our hearts are in a certain condition. Um, and then when we get close to each other, as we start building, uh, we start allowing people into our intimate spaces. Our culture dictates that, you know, we let them in without any trust. Then when they get into the intimate space, they start demanding a trust that they have not earned. So consequently, what that does is it makes us feel like we're broken people because we're just like, well, I can't trust him because I don't really know him like that. Yet and still, I've been kissing on him. Maybe I slept with him. Maybe I did something that I wasn't supposed to do, but I can't trust him. You know, and this is why there is a way to do a thing that is right to God. That means that you do everything uh, in accordance with the word. You don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Um, You don't practice fornication. There are just certain things you don't do. And that way, and the Bible tells you to test the spirit. And how do you test the spirit? You look for good fruit work versus the works of the flesh you look at the garden and you have to look and say okay let me look at what what's growing up in this dude's garden and if you notice that uh, the fruit of fornication is growing in his garden. You notice a lot of things that are growing over there. But when you look over there to the, toward the garden, that's where the fruit of the spirit. And you know that that garden is barren or the fruit in that garden are small and bitter. Then that's not a person that you engage with. Nevertheless, what we have a tendency to do, if we have an overflowing garden, we think that I can help him to build his garden because I know what's wrong with him. I know what he went through. I know his pain. I know his story. So you know what? I'm going to bring him close. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to let him taste the fruit in my garden. I'm going to let him see the overabundance of fruit in my garden. I'm going to be sweet to him. I'm going to love him. And then he's going to love that. And then, you know, what he's going to do is say, okay, I'm going to do 
for God, what you did for God so that I can have good fruit as well. And then we think that we're going to come and that person is going to stand on the stage one day and say, hey, you see that woman right there sitting on third row? Stand up, baby. Uh huh. That's my girl right there. And yeah, because I, when I first got with her, I was a little bit of something. I was this and I was that. But you know what? That girl loved me past my pain. She was there for me. No, while that can and does happen, for the most part, he's not going to change because of that woman. Typically, he's going to hurt her because that's what happens. Hurt people hurt people. He's going to hurt her and hurt her and hurt her again. And typically, it's not her love that heals him despite, you know, despite what we've heard. What typically heals him is when he gets to the space. It's typically when that woman and when that woman gets up and says, I cannot take this anymore. It, you, that's what happened. That's what happens is when that woman gets up and say, this hurts too bad to be in a relationship with him. She will tell him she will nag him. She will put a lot of pressure on him. Hey, go get yourself a therapist. Why do you keep doing this kind of stuff? Why are you acting like that? And when she gets to that space where she says, I can't do this anymore or what have you, when she begins to back up and Please don't romanticize this, ladies, because a lot of times when you're thinking about this, you can get excited and say, well, I don't mind because you've probably never been in a relationship like that. So you don't know the level of pain that you have to deal with. Once you feel that pain, you don't want to feel it no more. So that means that when you start, whenever a woman starts clocking out of a relationship, whenever a woman starts to withdraw herself, it's because it hurts too bad to be in that relationship. So typically in a situation like that, the guy will say, oh my gosh, I'm losing somebody who actually did care for me. He may go out there and get in a relationship with other women, find that, hey, nobody really loves him the way that that woman loved him. He starts realizing that I actually had a good thing in her. And then consequently, that's when he starts to try to pursue her again. But it most cases and you know it's funny because whenever I'm talking to women I hear it all the time I wish guys could be a fly on the table you know and yeah we can have a fly swap for the ones that won't shut up but I'm just being I'm just being silly but I hear it all the time women always say the same thing I was with this guy I was really good to him we were together for years and all this other stuff I tried to love him past his rejection. I tried to love him past his pain. I tried to love him past it all. But what ended up happening in the end was that that man mishandled her, abused her, mistreated her, cheated on her. And in many cases, they walked away because they had it in their mind. I can always come back. I can always come back. But when they, whenever they did come back or when a woman moved out of the guy's life, that's when the guy came back and he tried to find a spot back in her life. And she's like, no, no, thank you. And honestly, it is a shocker to a guy because he knows the level in which she loved him. It shocks the crap out of him because he had it in his mind that he should be able to return because he had her locked and loaded. She loved him with all of her heart, mind and her strength. And she was just completely obsessed with him. And he had it in his mind. It was going to be like that. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to sow my royal oats. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to get all this stuff out of my system. And then I'll have her to come back to. Because I always tell people that, excuse me, back in the day, our grandfathers did that to our grandmothers. And our grandmothers waited, but they weren't gone too long. They would be gone for months at a time, sometimes a year, but they would do that. They would go out there with these other women, but grandmother would just kind of suffer. And, you know, granddaddy would give her a little bit of money here and there to keep her bills up. And grandmother would not move on. Grandma would just kind of sit there and she try to raise her kids. She deal with her pain, um, what have you. And then, you know, granddaddy in his older years, he would try to come back typically 
And I hate to say this, but typically after the dude can barely walk, you know, there are many cases I know back in Mississippi, many cases where they will these, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm saying it because it's hilarious. I was about to say they will these Negroes, but they, they take these dudes and you know, the, the mistress literally will bring the woman to bring the dude to the woman's house in a wheelchair because don't nothing work. He can't work no more. His, 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 his donkey, his, his, his his penis don't work. Nothing works anymore. The only thing he is, is a shell of a human being. All he is, is he's somebody waiting on the Grim Reaper at that point, And they will bring him back to the wife, especially if they don't feel like there's any benefit in the, in the guy's death. Now, if he got a nice little insurance policy or something like that, they'll try to hurry up and help him to meet the Grim Reaper. Uh, but if he doesn't have anything that they can wait for, because there are um, two types of gold diggers, believe it or not. There is a gold digger that gets with a man based on what he has. But even though when he dies, he may not have anything. They only want him for the moment because of what he has in that moment. He's hardworking. He brings in good money. Then there is a gold digger that will get with a guy based on what he's going to leave behind. You know, uh, he when he leave, he, he got property. He got this. He got that. So when he clock out, she's looking to earn. And so whenever you get with a uh, whenever a man gets with a woman like that, she will try to help him to meet the maker a little bit faster because she wants to gain access to his benefits. So anytime again, when people are trying to rush into your intimate circle, when people are demanding of trust, that is a sign of toxicity. But I have to reiterate this. It doesn't mean malicious intent. It doesn't mean that the person is saying, oh, I'm going to get close to her and I'm going to take everything that she got. I'm going to use her. And then, you know what? I'm going to discard her. I'm going to break her heart. and I'm going to toss her. You know, a lot of times women think that way and they end up dealing with unforgiveness because they believe that that is not true. Sometimes people have really good intentions, but they got bad hearts. So they have good intentions. And that's head knowledge versus heart knowledge. Um, in their head, they have good intentions in their head. They're like, you know, if you let me get with you, if I got with you, I would treat you good. I would love you. I would be faithful to you. I would do all of these wonderful things. Uh, but heart knowledge, there's a spirit there. There's an unclean spirit. Heart knowledge is they don't have a history of uh, helping women or helping guys. They have a history of hurting people. They have a history of whenever they get to a certain level in a relationship, they kind of lose interest. You know, they kind of they, 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 they grow cold. And typically those are narcissistic relationships. Not saying that the person is a narcissist, uh, but most people deal with levels of narcissism. Um, I would say every person deals with levels of narcissism, but we can diagnose a person as narcissistic whenever they have more um, toxic traits, more uh, selfishness than they do have selflessness and healthy traits. And so that's the thing. So your goal in, in this event that we call life is to do what the Bible told you to do. And that is to test the spirit. And you know what? That's not easy because anytime, and this is what I've discovered, just me talking to females, me dealing with women as a, um, I don't even want to say a relationship coach. I think I'm that as well. But as a counselor, mentor, um, I can't even call myself an official counselor, but I do counseling. But of all the things that I do, I've noticed that a lot of times people as an influencer, especially people try to rush. And it's very frustrating to me because um, and I'm talking about ladies. Um, they'll try to rush into a best friendship. And it's really frustrating 
because you already know through experience how that ends. When you see a person rushing through that circle, you already know how that's going to end. You already know that the person is broken, which is what's, what's causing them to rush. The Bible says test the spirit, but they're not willing uh, to test the spirit. Instead, what they're doing is that they're broken, right? And they don't have counselors. And so what they're doing is they're trying to hurry up because they're trying to gain access because they want to turn you into a counselor, but they want to disguise it as calling you a friend. And that's frustrating because that's going to be a one-sided relationship. Um, whereas they're always getting free counseling from you. They're always extracting and taking revelation from you, but they're not giving anything in return. And you know what? I've had friendships like that. I'm going to tell you what's frustrating about them is that every really, every conversation is about them. It's always about what they want, what they need, what they doing, what they feel and all that. And then they have this familiarity with you where they can only listen to certain things. Yet and still, they want you on the phone to hear their plans. They want you on the phone, but they don't want to reciprocate. So it becomes this relationship where you're being taken advantage of and they get frustrated with you because they feel like, well, I've been nice. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I get that part. Um, And it's the same in romantic relationships. So my point to you is this. We all deal with pain. We all deal with hurt. We all deal with rejection. We all deal with it in certain levels. But the goal is to make sure that you have wise counsel. This is the key word I've been telling people that I've been hearing God say intentional. You have to be intentional. That means you have to acknowledge where you are. You know how many people I come in contact with that don't acknowledge where they are spiritually, mentally, emotionally. They just pretty much go about life moving by their feelings and getting mad at everybody that tries to tell them what they should do. You know, sis, go get yourself a therapist. Sis, go get some deliverance counseling. Sis, go get some deliverance. Sis, go back to school. Sis, stop relying on men to take care of you. They get they get offended because they feel like you're pushing them in the wrong direction. They they got these thoughts in their minds that if I if I do things this way, then this is what's going to happen. You know, recently, and I almost don't want to say this, and I pray I don't say anything that will cause me to want to delete this. But recently, I came to the conclusion I had to really pray about it and be mindful. So I'm not going to say it as a fact. I'm going to say it's a thought that I had. Uh, But recently, I came to this place where I said, I really don't want to be bothered by guys. I really came to that place where I said, as far as relationships go, I I, I don't want to be bothered by them. Uh, Because I got a chance to see you know how, and not for me dating personally, but I just got a chance to see how a lot of guys reason, you know, just, just the mindset. And I'm like, no wonder a lot of these girls out here, a lot of these women out here are broken. And because it's the, a lot of the guys out here are broken, but I realized a lot of them genuinely don't have wise counsel. So they don't have anybody telling them how to reason. They don't have anybody telling them, Hey, you shouldn't think that way. Hey, you shouldn't reason that way. This is why I love something. My pastor always says, he said, you know, whenever he's dealing with something, he will ask his pastor, how should I feel about that? And this is one of the things I I've noticed a lot of people don't have that because they know that their reasoning is toxic and they refuse to have wise counsel. They would much rather just kind of run that stuff through their own head and come up with whatever voice comes in their mind and tells them this is how you should handle her or this is how you should handle him. And then they do what they think. And the crazy part, this is the frustrating part. I'm saying this as a, a mentor. The crazy thing I've seen with ladies, for example, I've seen this with guys as well. But one thing I've seen is that people will do toxic things and actually respect, expect good results. I mean, how asinine is that? Like people will, okay, just thinking about as a mentor, I've had people that would stop showing up for the classes, right? They'll stop showing up. They won't act. They won't be active on the message board. They will just 
So typically, one of the things I've noticed about toxic people is they will always try to find a way uh, to have a need in your life, like or to feel a need in your life. So they may say, hey, you know, I'm going to post up on a message board like these posts every day, you know, greeting people or challenges and stuff like that. Then they'll ghost that place because they always want to be in a significant place where you'll notice their absence because these are people who want to be chased. You know, and I tell people, I said, if you wait on me to chase you, you can ask my family. I love you. I love you enough not to chase you. I love you enough to just let you go. Just bye bye, black, black birdie. I love you. But and white birdie, Latino buddy, I don't care. But I'm, period. The, what I'm trying to say is I've noticed that people, I've noticed trends with people. I tell people I'm a patterns person. Whereas a person will get into a position and then they will create a need or a demand for themselves. And then all of a sudden they'll get offended. And a lot of times when they get offended, I am not aware that they are offended. I'm not aware when I offend people a lot of times, you know, in my program, I've done this a couple of times when we have our Zoom meeting, we have a Zoom meeting every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. And I've asked them, you know, um, because we got our cameras on and I'll ask the ladies, I'll say, how many of you have I offended? And typically um, our standard class, there's like 60 or 70 people that come that are active in the class that come to class. And it's funny I can see the camera. I see all these hands going up and I'm looking at all the faces. And it's funny to me because I'm thinking to myself, I didn't realize I offended them. I didn't realize. I don't know what I said. I don't know what I did. But one of the things that I appreciate about them is that they kept showing up, right? That they kept showing up, that they pushed their way. They pushed their way through the offense. And I love that they pushed their way through the offense. I have one student and I always call her out. When I say call her out, I'm talking about in a good way because she joined my first mentorship program, um, my first mentorship. And boy, was she toxic when she first joined. Oh, my gosh. And she doesn't mind me talking, but she was toxic when she first joined. Um, I first joined my mentorship. So she used to play these little disappearing acts um, because it was a, a, a it was my second mentorship, not my first. She was in my second mentorship. Um, so the second one, the first one I had had 40 people in it. The second one, I decided to do a really small class because of a lot of the stuff that happened in the first one. So I didn't want to have a whole lot of people. Um, and so what she did was she was, you know, if anybody didn't come to class, I noticed it. Um, and what she did was she would remove herself from the message board. Right. She would remove herself. Um, and then she turn around and come back and be like, I need to get back into the message board or what have you. And I got tired of it. I'm like, I'm not putting you back in here. And so we, we had our words and I, I sent her a voice message. And honestly, I sent her a very hard voice message. My goal in that voice message, I didn't really think she was going to bounce back. I, you know, for me, I was giving her the benediction. I was letting her know you need to get delivered from that. That don't make no sense to act like that. You know, whenever you're offended, you got to push your way through that. You got to cast down those thoughts. And, you know, I was really, really hard in that message. As a matter of fact, I think I sent her two. I, I finished one. You know how you're so frustrated? You finish a message and then you're like, I got to say something else. And then I did another one. I'm like, and furthermore, <laughs> but in my mind, this is a benediction. I'm done. Um, but one of the things that I I admire and I appreciate about her was that, you know, she decided she came back, you know. Um, so I ended up, she did that a couple of times until finally I wouldn't let her back in. I wouldn't let her back into the mentorship. I'm like, nope, we're done. She's like, you, you kicked me out the board. I said, you deleted yourself from the board. And I just went ahead and made it permanent. And she was like, you know, she was just fussing. I said, no, because I'm not going to play these games with you. Oh, what have you? I don't like this punishment stuff. We don't, I don't do this punishment stuff. Um, long story short, when I launched my mentorship now, I had over a hundred students in there. 
I think I still have about close to 100 now, but we have about 60, sometimes 70 that are relatively active. But when um, I launched the mentorship that I had now, that I have now, she reached out to me and she was like, I want to apologize. And she had already apologized, but she was like, I want to apologize. I want to know if I could be a part, you know, just give me a chance to be a part of this mentorship or what have you. And I'm like, okay, sure. Um, and I allowed her to become, to come into this mentorship and I've seen the intentionality on her part. I've saw this girl grow, grow. Um, and she'll tell anybody, she said, you know, I was just trying to get attention and I was doing this and I was doing that, but mental Tiffany was her. And that's how, you know, I was with her. I was like, I'm not doing this with you, but I've had women, um, who tried that as well. And I haven't let them back. You know, I've closed that door. Um, and a lot of times nowadays I don't respond to a lot of them. You know, they'll send me these long toxic emails, about their expectations and they're typically unrealistic expectations that were birthed in trauma, but they'll send me these long emails. Um, like one lady was like, yeah, I see you got your favorites. And I'm like, I don't, I honestly don't have favorites. Um, I have people that I work closely with because they're intentional because they're consistent. They say, Hey, where can I volunteer? Um, so obviously I'm going to have them closer to my heart. Uh, but the thing that's frustrating to me is whenever I have a student that doesn't want to volunteer that wants to be distant all they want to do is show up for class don't want to really do their homework but they always demand the greatest level of access they always get mad because and then they start feeling some type of way but no i had to teach them about algorithm like listen if you're inactive on the message board guess what algorithm is going to be low so whenever you do write something i'm probably not going to see it and i am not a person that goes to that message board every single day when i go to facebook i do not scroll it is very rare that i scroll facebook i may scroll a little bit i think for the most part i do scroll every day but i don't do a lot of scrolling so the majority of the time algorithm is only going to show me certain people that i engage with often and i may like their status or something like that but other than that i'm not an engager uh but it is a toxic trait. It is a, oh God, I got to say it out loud. It is a toxic trait to get mad at somebody for not engaging you on Facebook. Hmm. I've seen it too many times. I've had women to write me too many times. It is a toxic trait to get upset about social media, to even interpret your relationship with a person based on how they engage with you on social media. That is toxicity. It is brokenness because in that, what you're doing is you're trying to get a person to prove their worth to you. And I've had to say that to people all the time. I've had to let them know like, Hey, that's not good. That's not good. Cause at the end of the day, I'm not on social media like that one. And two, I don't like, if you're on social media, if your only engagement with me is on social media, then you know what? That's fine. But don't expect to be in my intimate space. It's crazy for me for people to expect intimate reactions when they're in my intellectual space, meaning I don't know you like that. I don't know you for you to think like that. I don't know you for you to reason like that. The ladies that I work closely with, the ones that uh, volunteer. So I have a MAP program. The ones I work in uh, MAP 2.0 with, they are in my intimate space. They're in my, because int- I work closely with them. All the women have access to that. They, all the women can get into MAP. Not all the women in the program are in the MAP, which stands for Mentor Assistance Program. Not all of them are in MAP. Some of them are in MAP 1.0, some in MAP 1.5. The ones that are in MAP 1.0 are just starting off, or if they're not just starting off, they don't avail themselves that much. They don't avail themselves to volunteer, to help out, because that's what uh, mentorship is, right? It's teaching them to do what you do. They don't avail themselves to that. And that's fine because everybody's going to move according to their own capacity. Um, Map 1.5, they've availed themselves a little bit more 
Nevertheless, they may be being distracted by something else, you know, life or what have you. But, you know, and my goal is to get them from 1.5 to 2.0. And 2.0 are the ones who have made the greatest of sacrifices. I'm talking about in school, they're doing all this stuff. But yet still, they will yield themselves and say, hey, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Give me as much work as you can or what have you. And they will typically pursue that. So I'm saying that to say, if you... You know, dealing with all of the pains and the hurts that we have to endure in life, you don't have wise counsel. You're probably toxic, not intentionally. You're not necessarily malicious, but you're probably toxic. And if you don't do what the Bible tells you to do, you will you will set yourself up for a bunch of failed relationships. And the thing that's going to hurt is that your your intentions were good. I found that most of the people um, get hurt or get, you know, relatively disappointed because their intentions were good. That's what people tend to measure is that they were, their intentions were good. And I'm like, that's, that's okay. That's good. That's great for your intentions to be good. But yeah, your heart may not be good. Your heart may not be good. Give me time. And I can tell you what, what, where your heart is, because if, if, if I'm looking the, the main spirit that we deal with, and I always said, if you heard me say it a thousand times, the strong man in the majority of deliverances is rejection. Most of the times I'm doing reje- uh, deliverance, I have to come against rejection. 95 to 98, maybe even 99% of the time, the strong man is rejection. So the thing about it is you got to learn how to deal with the rejection in life. Because hear me when I say this, a person who has a strong spirit of rejection has not been, re- has not been rejected more than somebody who doesn't have a spirit of rejection. Believe it or not. They've all been rejected at some point in their lives. It's just in how they interpret it. Everybody interprets it differently. Um, that was a time where I dealt with rejection, but God healed me. I prayed and I, you know, I was like, I was intentional about getting out of that. Not to say that I don't deal with it now, because if I do deal with it, it's on a lesser scale, a far lesser scale, because I don't interpret rejection the way that I used to interpret it. I don't interpret uh, somebody not wanting to be a part of my life as a bad thing. I actually interpret it as them doing me a favor. That Honestly, that's how I interpret it. I interpret it as them doing me a favor because I would much rather them say, hey, you know what? I don't think, you know, hey, I think that you're not a good fit before they even know me. Um, and I'm not a good fit for you before they even know me. And we can leave, we can be cool amicably. I can I can fist bump you and be like, hey, girl, we good. And we cool rather than them get close or try to get close and then come into that same conclusion in a space where it could hurt. That's just how I look at it. And I think that's the uh, 40 plus part of me um, is that I've learned I've lived life enough to know that people will typically show you where they belong in your life. We just don't believe it because we want them closer. You know, we just don't believe it. Um, And I've gotten to a space in my life where I've come to understand if a person is showing you that they're broken or they're toxic, keep them away from your intimate space because they're they're not going to stop being broken or toxic as an appreciation to you. If that makes sense, they're not going to be like, I appreciate you so much for trusting me with this access to your heart that you know what, girl, I ain't going to even be toxic no more. That's not how that works. If people are toxic, they're going to be toxic when they get close. And you know, the thing about it is if a person is toxic, that means their heart is toxic. And do you know, if the closer you get to a toxic person, the more toxicity you're going to deal with. If I go out here and I get with a guy, for example, and the guy, you know, for the most part, he's decent, you know, and I, I can tell you when you first get into a relationship, 
you're dealing with the outskirts, the outer courts of a person. And people sweep their outer courts because they want the outer courts to look good because that's the attractive part. That's what everybody can see. You know, when you come into the outer courts, people clean, people clean up their living rooms too. And that's the inner court. But the holy of holies, their hearts, goodness gracious. People clean up their living room, especially when they know they got company coming over. But you know what? If you try to get to that back room, you're going to find out there's a hot mess back there, right? You're going to find out back in that back room, if you go to... um Maybe their ba- their bedroom, you'll notice that there's clothes on the floor. The bed probably ain't made. They ain't folded their clothes. You'll notice they ain't dusted. You know, you'll notice that those spaces are dirty. If you go into their junk drawers and some of their closets, you will find a hot mess. I got one closet in my house that is a hot mess. And I can tell you, I look at that. Every condition I find in my house, I look at that as a represent- representation of where my soul is. So I got one is in my um. Uh, I don't even know what to call that room, but it's a strange room in my house. Not strange room, but it, it's just an odd room. It used to be a living room, but it's now my foyer. Um, it's not a dining room, but it's my foyer. You can see it when I'm on video, but there's a closet there. There's a closet in that room and in that closet, man, it's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. I got these tubs. I got all of this stuff. I moved from my old apartment with cords and stuff like that. And I made up my mind. I'm going to, I'm going to take that stuff. I'm going to rent a dumpster one day and I'm going to hire some guys to come over here and to toss that stuff in a dumpster. I'm going to hire some dudes, um, and I got to do that before spring is over with, to come over here, get that stuff, and toss it into that dumpster. And the only thing I'm going to search is just, you know, the kind of the top of the stuff to make sure there's no, you know, no no sensitive stuff that I'm throwing away, like anything with my social security number on there. But that, I mean, there's no paper that I can think of. But when you open it, I think the only thing you see that's paper-wise is like, I think I got some gift bags in there that... um Maybe somebody gave me a gift. I decided to keep the gift bag so that whenever I give a gift, I don't have to buy one. I can put it back in a gift bag and give it out. <laughs> but I want to go through that and I have to clean out that space. But you know what that tells me? That tells me when I look at my house that, you know what, Tiffany, your house is in order, but there are some hidden places that you have to deal with. That tells me that's the same thing with, with my heart. That's how I look at it. You, the, the condition of your home is a reflection of your heart. Hey, can I tell you this? The condition of your bank account is a reflection of your heart. All of it. If your bank account is in a negative, it's because your heart is in a negative. You're missing some stuff. So I'm saying is, listen, a lot of times we don't think it's necessary for us to have wise counsel. We don't think it's that big of a deal because we feel like we got friends and family members that we can talk to. They don't always give you the best advice. I love my mom and I miss her dearly. My mom went, went on to be with the Lord in 2018. My mom didn't give me no good advice. She rarely, well, I can't say that. My mom rarely gave me good advice. My mom gave me bad advice a lot in my life. and But she had good intentions behind that bad advice. When I was going through a divorce, my mom told me, hey, take him for everything he got. I Because when I was married to this man, my mom was telling me he got money. And I'm telling you, he's been hiding money from you. She had been telling me that entire marriage. She was like, I'm telling you, this man got money. And you know what? She was right. He was hiding money. And, um... When it started coming out in the end, because, you know, when you're going through a divorce, you have to do this financial affidavit. And so uh, his lawyer was, you know, insistent that I get my financial affidavit. And I was like, well, if I got to get mine, I want his because I didn't get a lawyer because my intention was look, do everything amicably. Whatever he want to take, I don't, if, whatever he want to take, if he want to take a wig, he can take. I don't care. Let me let me do what's right by God. Uh, but when I got the financial affidavit, that's when I discovered that he had been hiding money from me. And I was sick, man. I was upset. I was really hurt. 
Um, and my mom was like, I told you, I told you. And she was like, well, what I want you to do. She said, make sure you, you take him for this and you demand this and you demand that. I'm saying that to say my mom had good intentions. She was trying to make sure her daughter was taken care of, but she wasn't telling me what the Holy Spirit was telling me. Right. She wasn't giving me good advice. Um, and thankfully I didn't listen to her. I listened to Holy Spirit. I, I knew to, you know, just let it go. Holy Spirit said, Hey, talk to him, see what he'd be willing to get. Because at this particular time, you know, he had been the breadwinner. Talk to him, see what he's willing to get. And I'm like, Hey, how much can you help out? What have you? And he was like, I can't do that. I was like, okay, I left it alone. But I'm saying that to say, it's always good to have wise counsel. And you may say, well, Tiffany, well, you didn't have, you had Holy Spirit at that time. Yeah, I actually did have some wise counselors around me. I had wise counselors around me. I'm talking about with my mom. My mom was just not one of them. My mom has always given me bad advice. <laughs> my mom always tried to get me to get into relationships with dudes based on the money that they had, you know, and I thank God that I didn't do that because what happened was over the course of time, I came to realize that, hey, you better earn your own money. And then even looking back at my mom's life, my mom had to work two jobs. She was stressing herself out and still was broken in. Right. And so I, I learned, hey, Tiffany, don't focus your energy and your attention on a man. Don't focus your energy and your attention on anything like that. Put your your heart, put your attention, put your energy, put your mind on Christ Jesus. And then over the course of time, you know, God will bless you, you know, do all the stuff that he told you to do. He'll open up the windows of heaven for you and he'll bless you. He'll give you um you know, everything that you need. That way, when you come into a relationship, you can be a help meet instead of being a hindrance. But I'm saying that to say. Always make sure that you have wise counsel. And, you know, to the to my brothers in Christ, always make sure that you have some male counselors, please. And make sure you have male counselors, people that you can talk to. And I'm not talking about some dude that you happen to come across and you be like, you know, hey, no, get some wise counsel. Get wise counsel. Have somebody that you can talk to and you can say, this is what I feel. This is what, you know, I'm experiencing. I'm hurting. I've had brothers in Christ. That have gone through things with women, for example, and they've reached out to me for wise counsel and, you know, only not so much for like extensive wise counseling, because I don't especially like somebody and married, what have you. I won't do extensive counseling with them, but I will give them a little advice. I'll say, hey, this is a situation you need to do that. I will talk to them from a female's perspective. Hey, this is what you need to do. That's not a good situation. That that woman will get you killed. That woman will get you killed or what have you. But I leave it at that. I'm saying that you can have good intentions and be a toxic person. And that that has to be understood. A broken person who won't have wise counsel, who refuses to uh, get wise counsel is typically going to be toxic. Even if they have good intentions, even if they're saved, they're going to be toxic. And consequently, they'll deal with a bunch of cycles of defeat and cycles of brokenness in their lives, broken relationships, broken everything until they decide to be intentional until they decide that, okay, this isn't working. And honestly, I think that that's what the forties are about. You know, when you get to that age and stage in your life, I think that's what the forties are about. By the time you hit the forties, you come to that conclusion. Like you are no longer in that space where you are led by your emotions or you believe those thoughts that kind of populate in your mind where you start fantasizing. You don't believe that crap no more. You know, it's, it's a bunch of hogwash saying to be talking out his neck and you're just like, bro, I'm not listening to you. Uh, I ain't trying to hear nothing you got to say because you are a liar. And the truth ain't you you realize that I can like somebody that person can like me and a relationship can still end we can have a lot of things in common and the relationship will still end because that person's heart may not be good or my heart may not be good we may not be 
right for one another because we may be moving in a different direction. Maybe I'm over here. Um, I want the Lord. My heart is I want God. I want I want God to use me to the greatest of his ability. Like, I mean, of course, we know God's abilities are not limited, but the greatest of my ability. I think that's a better way to say it. But I want God to use me. I, I want signs, miracles and wonders. Use me. I want to be the person to raise the dead, heal the sick. I say yes to his will. I want to cast out the most stubborn of demons. I actually want to go to Africa and do more training as far as deliverance. I want to get around some of the most powerful deliverance ministers and I want to receive an impartation. I want to walk in that. That is my heart. But at the same time, I want to own properties. I want to do this. I want to accomplish a lot of things in life. But more important to me is not things. It's you being used by God, right? Being used by God. If a man comes into my life and his most important things is things, that's not going to work. You know why? Because if he's looking toward things, he's going to pull me in that direction where I'm seeking. Okay, God, you know, I want more of you. I want more of your spirit. I want to get closer to you. Lord, tell me what to do. I want to go get this training. I want to get that training. Um, And then the guy be like, hey, we need to go and start trying to save up money. We need to go work on this. We need to go work on that. Not to say that. You know, things are bad because at the end of the day, I'm called to wealth. And so that's one of my things is I want to do all of these great things in life. Nevertheless, I'm saying I don't want to discount that part of who I am. I think that's the most important part is because understand this. We are all here for a purpose. And I wish this, I wish the body of Christ would catch this. We are here for a purpose. Solomon asked for wisdom and God gave him wealth. You know, and a lot of times what we're doing is asking for wealth without wisdom, which is a snare. A lot of times we're asking for stuff. And when you're getting that stuff, you don't realize without the wisdom, you're going to get broken. God said, when he bless you, he'll add no sorrow to it. You'll get broken all the more. Because one thing I've learned is that when people, if you have a little taste of money and people feel like you got, if they feel like you balling or what have you, everybody and their daddy, you have a lot of people that's kind of rush, trying to rush up on you. Right. You have a lot of people that's trying to rush into a relationship with you, but not because they love you, not because they like you, but because of what they feel like you represent. Because what they feel like you represent. So it's not a good thing for you to be sitting out here chasing stuff. It's always a good thing for you to chase the heart of God and not the hand of God. Chase the heart of God and not the hand of God. I'm only saying that to say this. We all have a desire in life. Always make sure it's pure. I'll tell you this prayer I pray. And I think a lot of people um, have prayed this. And this is just something for you. Lord, purify my motives. Lord, purify my heart in the name of Jesus. Give me a new heart and a new mind. Give me the mind of Christ. Let that spirit be in me that is in you, Lord. Let your name be glorified in my life. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you don't allow me to go out here and to make an idol out of things or an idol out of people, but that your name be glorified. Because honestly, guys, hear me. Hear me when I say this. If we have the heart of God, we can have everything that this earth has to offer because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the more of God's heart you have, the less you become attracted to stuff. It's not to say you won't have it because I got plans for my life, right? I got this big old, the house that I got planned for myself, God willing, uh, the house that I want for myself, for example, I wanted, I wanted to have a golf course lawn for whatever reason. I like the look of a golf course. I honestly, I want acres of land. I, I want my house to have, um, you know, I want it to be. Two story, even though I am getting older and I'm, I'm, I'm having to rethink that model because a lot of houses that I've looked at were not, you know, when you have uh, older people in there um, they that go up for sale. Two stories is because their knees are bad. 
um, or what have you. Minds are not bad, but I am getting older. Um, so we don't know what the future has to bring, bring. I decree and declare that my knees will remain good all the days of my life in the name of Jesus. But um, the house that I had, the house that I want, I want it to be about 4,500 4, square foot. Um, and this is why the Bible says, write the vision and make it plain. I want it to be about 4,500 4, square foot to probably about 10,000 square foot. I, I want a huge home. Uh, I would love to have the, I don't know why the one thing, if you ask me what I want in the house, I got to have my theater. I got to have it. It, it, it is a non-negotiable. I have to have my theater room and it has to look really big and nice. It has to be relatively cozy, but still it has to be spacious. I don't want it to be too, too cozy, but it has to be relatively spacious. And I've learned this about me because I'm an introvert. I want a lot of the stuff in my house that you would typically go outside to get. Like I want to have an in-house jam. I want to have an uh, outhouse. I was thinking, um, talk to a friend of mine, and I think we came, we were talking about how it would be good to have maybe even two outhouses. Another word for outhouse is a mother-in-law house or a guest house um, out in the yard. But I'm just saying that to say, it's, it's okay to desire that stuff. And I say that because the majority of people, I'm not just saying this, you know, at the top, out my neck. The majority of people desire stuff. The majority of people desire stuff. And I tell people, I say, listen, desire the heart of God. And he'll give you the stuff. Desire the heart of God. If you desire the heart of God, you will have God's heart for people. So let's say if you get married, you have God's heart for your husband. And you want God to give you a husband that has his heart for you. You don't want God to give you somebody who's tolerating you, who's a, if it don't work out, it don't work out. I don't want that type of dude. Uh, I want the I want the person that comes in that has God's heart that can say, hey, listen, this is wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. That's wrong with you. You shouldn't have done that, babe. I'm sorry. So I think that what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to get some counseling. This is what we're going to have to do. I like that. That that. So that's to say, you got to desire what's good. You have to desire what's good in life as opposed to desiring um, relationships that you're not healed enough to maintain. The craziest thing in this world, um, desiring power that you're not mature enough to handle. Desiring people. That you're not healthy enough to keep healthy, if that makes sense. You, you, you're going to break them. You, you know, hurt people, hurt people. You should desire to have relationships where you can be a blessing. That is my desire. Is that it, one of the things I tell people, if I can't be a blessing to you, I'll just kind of give, I'll, I'll, I'll put space between me and you. Um, because I don't want to ever be in a relationship where, I'm in a, where I am serving as a hindrance to that person. So that is to say this, and I feel a cough coming on, forgive me. But that is to say this. When it comes to relationships, your best app, <coughs> try to resist it as you, <coughs> excuse me, but when it comes to people, when it comes to relationships, your best out is to desire what's good. But first, before you do anything, make sure you are surrounded by wise counsel. God says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Understand this. <clears throat> the opposite of safety is danger. That means it is dangerous to be without wise counsel. Let me tell you why. Remember, God says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Scientists, <clears throat> scientists have found that we have, I think, 60,000 thoughts a day, 80,000 or 80 percent of those thoughts, <coughs> excuse me, which means 40,000 of those thoughts are toxic. 80 percent of those thoughts are toxic, are bad, they're negative. If you don't have wise counsel, you will believe a lot of what comes into your head. You will believe a lot of those things. And you know what? You will allow the enemy to sabotage everything in your life 
because of a thought that you had because of a thought. And anytime you have a thought, it enters into the conscious realm. And that is a waiting room of the soul. Unless your your heart is broken. But then if it's broken, you will just believe it in. It's going to come into your belief system. And it's going to go in as a seed. And then it's going to plant a tree. And it's going to start bearing fruit. So then you're going to have the evidence of your belief. <laughs> you know, you'll have the evidence of your belief. You'll have a bunch of evidence that supports what you think. Um, and consequently, what you'll do is you'll have a string of broken relationships. You'll have a broken heart. And everything in your life will be broken. And you know what? You'll look forward to death. You'll look forward to death. Not because God is, is, isn't good because God is good, but because you didn't think it, you didn't think your heart was valuable enough for you to go and try to fix it. I'm gonna leave it with that. Anyhow, I love you and I'll talk to you soon.